Hi, my name is Dr. Rongan Chatterjee, medical doctor, author of The Four Pillar Plan and television presenter. I believe that all of us have the ability to feel better than we currently do, but getting healthy has become far too complicated. With this podcast, I aim to simplify it. I'm going to be having conversations with some of the most interesting and exciting people both within as well as outside the health space to hopefully inspire you as well as empower you with simple tips that you can put into practice immediately to transform the way that you feel. I believe that when we are healthier, we are happier because when we feel better, we live more. So guys, I'm really excited about today's guest who is probably someone a little bit different from the past few guests that you've had from me, but really is part of my desire to take health outside the health space. I think health matters to every single one of us because, you know, as I've said on many occasions before, when we feel better, I think we live more, we get more out of life. The guest who I've got on today is somebody who is a TV presenter, she's an ex-model, she's a wife, she's a mother. It's Emma Willis. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Emma, it's a real honour and a pleasure for me to have you on today. Thank you for giving up some of your uh, time to come and have a chat to me about you health. You are so welcome, so welcome. I don't think we quite know where we're going to go in this conversation <laughs> what yet. What are we going to talk about? It's, uh, when, when, um, when I got asked to do it, I was a bit like, oh God, I don't know anything about <laughs> nutrition what am I going to say to wrong and he knows everything um but I suppose that's the point right is that that is the point exactly I think you Emma are you know very much looked up to by a huge you know a huge amount of the the UK public they they see you on TV and they have them for many years and you know from the outside I guess you are you're married you're a mother you've got three children yep and you know, it might appear on the outside that you've got it all, the great job, the great husband, you, you mm. look after three kids. Do you have it all? Um well, it depends what all is, I suppose. Do do I have a do I have it all in a, a very kind of happy and loving family life? Absolutely. I've as you said, a wonderful husband and three gorgeous kids. Um do I have it all career wise? I love my job, so Job satisfaction is a massive thing for everybody, I think. And I have that in abundance. So, yes, I'm very happy. But there are, you know, do do I have it all? Would I like somebody to do everything else for me? Yes, I would. And no, I don't have that. (laughs) So, um, so, as I said, it depends what all is. I think uh, you can... I think I'm one of those people... Some of my friends say that I'm... um, uh, even if it's sunny outside, I'll say, yeah, but it's still time for it to rain. Okay. <laughs> They're like, you're such a glass half empty type of person. And I don't think it's that I'm um, <laughs> I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. Okay. Do you know, that's the way I like, <laughs> I like to explain myself. I'm like, yeah, it's beautiful sunshine, but the weather could turn at any point. <laughs> you know, your job is fantastic and you're doing so well. Yes, I am. But that could change at in any an point. instant. You know, so so I'm I I like to be as realistic as possible. So, is that, would you say that's different from Matt, your husband? Is he more of an optimist? Would you say uh, he's um, he? Well, he is. He's a bit of bit of both, really. He he he's a few things. <laughs> <laughs> a couple I can't say. No, um, he is a he's a realist. He is an optimist. Um, he's a dreamer as well, you know. But he's also um, he's also a little bit self self conscious, probably. Yeah. I would imagine sometimes as well. So, so again, it's it, you know he's got all of that going on. So when you say have you got it all, you can have all in a positive way and all in a negative Absolutely. way, can't you? Just because it looks rosy doesn't mean that you're a hundred percent confident and you and you think that I'm living the dream. You know, there's always that little voice in the back of my head going any of this can change at any point so enjoy it while it's here you mentioned that matt might be a bit self-conscious and if i look at you and matt you're both in the media and have been in the public spotlights for you know many years now um and and i mean you you know you from from my recollection you you know i don't know how old you were at the time but you sort of came to stardom as it were or came to the public eye as a model um, I think initially, or as a MTV uh, uh, well, VJ. Yeah, I was a model for about ten years, and then um, 
I mean, I, I, I was never a well-known model, but I suppose my presence in the media started when I, when I started on MTV, yeah. And I was, uh, I was 26 at the time, going wow. on 27. So, so older than most yeah. when you're just starting out, yeah. Yeah. I forgot to tell people how we met, actually, and I should probably should just, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, actually just, um, yeah, I always like to share that so people understand where this connection has come from. And um, I, I got to know your husband, Matt, yeah. um, first of all. And then I think I was in London for a friend's wedding, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was texting Matt and he said, oh, we're going out tonight. And, you know, Emma's out and ended up, I, I think one of my friends came along and we ended up you know, partying with you guys and ended up out with you and your your fellow VJs from MTV. Yeah. Um, and I think we might have done some karaoke at some point. But, uh, about <laughs> this, uh, but it, I mean, we're talking like 12, 13 years ago, aren't we? A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. so that was... Um, that was kind of the order of the night normally. Was, back then. Um, back then. In our 20s. When, when we we're in our 20s, yeah. Lots pre, of drinking and lots of singing. Pre-kids, pre, uh, pre that's for sure. Pre-kids, yeah, don't do any of that anymore. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> Literally physically couldn't cope. But what, what's interesting to me is that you have, and, and having been in the media a little bit, nowhere near on the scale that you have but over the last few years, I, I've spoken to a lot of uh, females who are on television and, you know, I certainly get the impression that it can be quite hard for women in terms of how they're perceived and, and the expectation on a woman in the media have you ever felt that you know a pressure to look a certain way or I don't know you know after childbirth anything like that do, do, do people make comments and and is that hard um I think I think again I, I, as I said I'm I'm quite a realist so I'm um uh I'm very real about my body and the way it is and how it looks and I think being a model for 10 years um that was my instrument that was that was what I worked with that was what got me a job and what paid my bills and so I had to be um very on it and I had to look after it and if I looked my best then I would work more and and I could pay my bills you know so yeah. so the minute I stopped doing that um I kind of relaxed a bit more so I think when I came to being in the public eye and being in the media was when I stopped really thinking so much about what I looked like because that wasn't specifically my job anymore. My job was to present TV shows and talk and interview people. So I was, I suppose, looking at myself in a different way and hoping that I wasn't being employed because of the way I looked, but because of what I did and how I did it. Now, when I look at myself back then when I started, I was terrible. <laughs> so I probably was employed more on what I looked like rather than how good I was in my ability. Um, but uh, so so for me, it was kind of, I would I would imagine for some people, they, they get in the public eye and they think more about how they looked. But yeah. I thought for such a long time about what I looked like and how I presented myself because it was my job. I almost took my foot off the gas with that. And and it was one thing I didn't have to think about anymore. Yeah, that, that's 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 so interesting to think about. So for me, it was the opposite way round, really. Yeah, well, I think that's a very different experience from what most people go through. So you almost had to look good in terms of looking after yourself because looking good and feeling good, uh, well, more, I guess, looking good. Yeah. I mean, let's not talk about feeling good. That's a slightly a separate issue, which obviously it should go hand in hand, yeah. you know, but it doesn't always, does it? And your body was a way of getting work. Yeah. So that was your drive. That was my living. Yeah. yeah. So rather than doing it because, oh, it's healthier, I'm going to get more out of life, it's more actually, if I focus on my body, I get more work. Totally. Which is very odd compared to what most people have to go through, or very different, I should say. Yeah. So did the sort of challenges around that, have they sort of fed through to how you are today? And what I mean by that is... You're in a different stage of your life. You're a mother. Um, you've got children. But in your 20s, you had to be very particular about the way that you looked. Yeah. Have any of those behaviours or, or I wouldn't even say insecurities, but potentially thought patterns that came up in your 20s because of that, do any of them still feature in your life now, do you think? Yeah, I think every now and then they they definitely come into play. You know, when when um, we're in our 20s, it, it's much easier, isn't it? 
for, for a lot of people because we're younger, we are naturally slimmer, we, um, you know, are full of youth and enthusiasm and fun and partying and um, loving life and enjoying it, you know, which is exactly what I did in my 20s. And and then, you know, I can, I, I, I kind of have a, a, a lovely thought in my head and because I was a model, I have loads of pictures of what I looked like. And of course, you know, sometimes I get dressed in the morning and I look in the mirror and I go, bloody hell, <laughs> what's happened to me? Um, because I'm so, my eyes are so trained on what I look like and scrutinise, not scrutinising myself for so many years because I don't think I really did that, but I was very aware of yeah. every feature and what I look like and the things that probably weren't, the, 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 the things that um, may have failed me getting jobs, like my legs were never... Um, as perfect as other girls' legs or as thin as other girls' legs. So so a lot of times I got cropped out of pictures. Wow. Like my, I, I would be shot from the knee up rather than a... Was, it's, it, was that hard? It, it's a whole modelling thing. Well, you say which, that. Which, you know, could affect you. But I think, I, again, I'm quite level-headed and quite realistic. And um, my parents have kind of raised me to always keep my feet on the ground. So I'm just a bit like, you know... I was never a, a runway model. One, I was never tall enough. But two, I would have to really have really have dieted to have competed with the girls that do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's just not realistic for my body. So I thought, I just can't be bothered. No. <laughs> um, so I was never going to be a supermodel because, one, I was never good enough. But also, I, um, I just wasn't disciplined <laughs> enough to put myself through it. Yeah, you say that that it, it, it is quite a unique thing. I think you know, as a model, to, to be looking at those things. But I wonder whether in the modern world now, with Instagram and with social media, whether it is exclusive to being a model, or whether that's what many people, both you know, men and women, I guess particularly women, although I think a lot of men are feeling it now as well, a real yeah. pressure to compare themselves and look a certain way compared to that person that they see on social media you know oh you know my legs aren't as 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 thin as that girl's or you know I know a lot of guys you know since the advent of magazines like Men's Health which is you know always would have a a topless guy well used to anyway on on the front cover each month I've, I've spoken to a lot of men who that has really put a huge pressure on them to look a certain way. Yeah. Um, do you think that's something that a lot of people are contending with nowadays? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's um, it's a real catch-22, isn't it, social media? Because it can be fantastic for certain things and it can also be awful for other things, you know, especially if people are insecure or, or, or are looking at it thinking, oh, my God, that's what I should be doing. That's what I should look like. That's wh- which is where the I think the individual comes in and, and I think everybody should... They have to be responsible with what they put on these pages, as in what other people are viewing. And I, again, go back to, you know, being as realistic as possible in everything that I post. You know, yeah. when when I look glamorous, I'm at work and I've spent yeah. three hours in hair and makeup. And that is not the way I look <laughs> when I get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Um, that is my work life. And, and And lots of people put lots of time and effort into making me look a certain way. Um, but then I'll also post a picture of just me on the sofa eating chocolate with no makeup on sitting in my pyjamas because that is my life. But I think that's what people really like about you, Emma. Or One of the things that people really connect with you on is that you do seem to be very level-headed. You do seem to have that that realistic approach. You don't tend to take it too seriously. It's like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. that's one part of my life. This is another part of my life. I, it's I... accepting yourself as well, isn't it? And and. And being able to do that and and getting to an age or a point in your life where you do accept yourself. So like I said about my legs, I would always be cropped. Back then it was I was kind of like I should go to the gym or I should work out my legs more. I should try and make them the best I can make them. You've got to make the best of what you have without pulling yourself apart and picking yourself apart and driving yourself absolutely insane. Um, But now that, that my body isn't my living... I'm like, right, okay, this is what I have. And yeah. I'll, again, make the best of it. And they're, they're, they're never going to be supermodel legs, but I have legs, they work, and I'm happy. <laughs> you know, you've, you, you've just got to put everything into context. context. Yeah. And, and again, I suppose with, you know, I've dabbled with diets um, earlier on in when I, when I was younger and 
you know, Matt, as you, you'll know, tries lots of different things for the best way for his body to function. Um, but again, I just kind of think if you eat sensibly and you exercise enough, you'll maintain a good, healthy body. I think it just seems quite a simple yeah. way <laughs> to live. What have you, since you became a mother, has that changed the way that you are with yourself in terms of, you know, health choices you might make? Um, you know, has has being a parent changed anything at all? Yeah, I mean, you, you suddenly... Um, you realise your mortality, don't you, when you have kids? Yeah, big time. You know, you just kind of... Before I had kids, I was like, I will do anything. I will go anywhere. I'll throw myself out of a plane. I will do this, that and the other. I am all about adrenaline and fun-seeking and living life to the max and having the most fun. Now, <laughs> I won't do anything or go anywhere for the fear of something happening. You just, you know, and then you kind of go, right... Whew, I don't want to drink anymore because you don't know what that's doing to your liver, really. And all of a sudden, you become a grown up, and and you yeah. know you, you, half of your brain is still this twenty year old that wants to go and have fun, and still you feel you like can, that, and... still thinks you can. Yeah. And the other half is, my God, I want to live as long as possible and be as healthy as possible because I want to spend as much of my life as I can with these little human beings that I've yeah. just created. So, I think yeah, everything changed for me the the way I live my life the way I look after myself, the way I think about sugar, especially now, and chocolate and sweets and treats, which I lived on and loved. And now that I'm looking at my little people, I see yeah. how addictive it is. Being a parent changes everything, doesn't it? It's yeah. it's just a different perspective. And that, that attitude to risk is something I've experienced my, myself. I've certainly seen it in my wife and since she became a mother, it's just like night and day, her attitude to risk. Mm. It's, it's, I wonder, is it the same for both sets of parents or is there something about the maternal bond that actually is even more so that actually, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, I think about these things all the time. <clears throat> Again, I suppose it depends on the individual, doesn't it? But, you know, I think the, the minute our first child was born, Matt changed immediately. Yeah. You know, he, um, he's, he's an extreme thrill seeker <laughs> and enjoyer of life, as you know. Um, so a hell of a lot changed for him in many, many ways. Um, but also just his, you know, for example, he'll hate that I'm telling you this, but I walked home from work, I, I, I walked in from work the other night and, um, and my daughter ran and opened the door and she she said, I'm going to get told off of this. <laughs> Daddy's crying. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he went, yeah, he's crying at the end of the movie we're watching. And I was, and, and he started crying at movies a lot. Oh. Right? He never cried at movies before. But now he cries at movies quite often. Um, and I walked in and I was like, are you all right? And he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it was just really emotional at the end. And I said, what movie was it? <laughs> <laughs> Paddington 2. Oh. <laughs> what? You know, I thought who's watching a real tearjerker. But apparently it's quite emotional. I've not seen it yet either, actually. <laughs> I, know. I know my kids have, my wife have. I haven't seen it I yet. I haven't seen it yet either, but um, a couple of my friends I've just seen have watched it and they were bawling at the end as well. I'll but make sure, so, so make sure going we've got some tissues to... with us if we go and yeah, watch it. Whether it changes <laughs> to to men, I think I think I just kind of think it's a paternal thing, right? Like yeah, you, sure. you know, if you like, I watch lots of medical programs on TV because I love it and I, and I'm obsessed with it. Whether it's 24 hours in A and E or One Born Every Minute or just anything to get my fix of hospital life. Um, and Matt is just like, I can't watch it because I automatically think, what if that were me or you oh. or one of our kids? He said, and I just, I, I just can't cope. So I think it does. I think it it changes everything in in mum and dad. Did it with you? Oh, yeah. H hugely. I mean, it was just life-changing for me. Um, I mean, uh, I'm aware that just sounds the most obvious thing in the world, doesn't it? Of course, having a child will, would change things. But, you know, I mean, certainly some people will know this story about my, my son was, you know, he, he he was pretty unwell when he was six months old. And, you know, we thought we were going to lose him. And, you know, that, you know, you there's very few situations in life, I think, that will change you like yeah. that. It, it significantly changes your outlook on everything. And, 
you know, arguably, if that had not happened, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today in my job and what I'm trying to to do with public health. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I may have got there a different way. I don't know because obviously I can't I, I can't unknow what I know. Yeah. Um, but yet, change everything, and then you know, I I struggle sometimes with you know, I, I'm very much about promoting health because I think when I think I think a necessary prerequisite for us to live our best life is to feel good. Mm. I I genuinely feel that it's not about necessarily being obsessive, but it's just about when we nourish our, our bodies and our minds with the right things, whether it's food, whether it's movement, whether it's sleep, whether it's having enough downtime and chill time with people that we love, I think we get more out of life. The lot, yeah. lot of people I meet, a lot of patients I see, actually a lot of the time that they're sort of fighting or they're arguing or they're stressed out is because actually they don't feel that great. They're... they're not everyone, but a lot of the time yeah. that if you are chronically overworked and underslept, yeah. you know, what, what, what is your relationship like when you've not sat very well with your kids, with your husband, with your partner, with your work colleagues? It's not the same as when we're well rested. Exactly. Snappy. Yeah. But then, and that small snappiness in the morning, then there's a load of, then there's a lot of knock on consequences. You snap. Then there's a bit of distance builds up, and then and then uh, guilt, and then guilt, <laughs> and you got this whole circle of emotions yeah. that all came, arguably because you didn't sleep well. But, but it may have all come because I stayed up too late watching Netflix till midnight, so therefore I'm knackered in the morning, mm. and that means all my relationships have been affected yeah. throughout the day. And, and my approach is never to say we shouldn't watch Netflix, right? My my approach is always to trying to empower with helpful non-judgmental information to say hey look you know when we are feeling better we're getting more out of life but mm. you know i i find it hard with my children because yeah. i find there's i think you know it's it's so hard to keep your children healthy because of the way i think the way society is set up it's so hard and what do you find hardest as a mother who's trying to raise <clears throat> healthy happy children what's the hardest thing you find I mean, I'm kind of my own worst enemy, really, because, <clears throat> you know, it's sweets, isn't it? Sweets and treats and chocolates and... Uh, but I, I love them. And, you know, when I was little, I was given it whenever kind of, you know, whenever I could, you know, oh, let's give... Does, does little M want some chocolate? Does little M want this? I'm like, yes, just take it all. Yeah. And I loved it. And... um and I suppose when when I f first had um, Isabel, when she got to a certain age, I couldn't wait for her to try this lovely little bit of chocolate that's you know we all love because yeah. <laughs> it makes us happy. Um, it tastes amazing, but it is you know like you say, it's everywhere you go. You walk into it, any shop, and it's placed there right by the till. It's on the TV. It, it it's you know it's all around and you i think we really try like every january we do sugar free january and we all do it in the house the kids can't have it um it's just gone anything we have left over from christmas we we lock it all up oh, <laughs> until up. february <laughs> um or chuck it in the bin which is an awful waste so we we try and make it last till another month um but just to one, give their bodies a rest because December is just oh, yeah. so full on with Christmas and, you know, overindulgence and really stuff that you just do not need. Um, uh, so we always do that in January um, just to give their little bodies a rest, but also to train their brains that they shouldn't have it all the time and that they don't need it. And I find that they're much more focused and they sleep better when they haven't had it that's interesting isn't it so you, you do yeah. it but then what's the impact of that I think exactly. that's the exciting thing what happens when your kids don't have sugar in january yeah sleep I mean, they, they they sleep better they um they're less snappy they're less yeah. moody um so less tension and their at concentration home. is better don't get me wrong they're golden children yeah. honestly they're absolutely fantastic but you know, they they get grumpy like we all get grumpy. Um, I, I just find they're much more on it. You know, they're much more switched on and focused, I think, because they know it's not an option. You know, sit down and do homework. Can I have a treat afterwards? That doesn't happen in January because they know the answer is always no. Do you know what I mean? So they're like, right, okay. They get on with it and then 
can I have some grapes? Yep, absolutely. Knock yourself out. Eat all the fruit you want. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Like watching behavioural patterns like that is... It's amazing watching it in kids because I think kids are almost... It's easier to see in children... I think sometimes um, it, they're, they're, they can be very quickly responsive to these yeah. changes. You, know, you can give a small kid a bit of sugar and you can actually see the behaviour start, yeah. start to change. Yes, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's, would you say that the, when, when adults give up sugar, often you, you get some sort of withdrawal symptoms, Yeah. you know, headaches, irritability, um, you know, can't sleep sometimes. It's, it's mm. incredible, you know, in, in many ways, similar to a drug in some some ways what that's what I mean when I said earlier like it it is addictive like we all just crave it I mean we can't talk for everybody obviously but a lot of us just love it and want it well you say not everyone you know I think I think we're hardwired to crave sugar. Mm. The big problem isn't that we ha- that we crave sugar. The problem is now that it's readily available and it's, and it's everywhere. In everything, yeah. And that's the problem is that that's our old an ancient biological mechanism to crave sugar, a quick source of energy. Yeah. We've never had it so readily available as we do now in 2018. Mm. You know, it's just and it seems to be getting worse each year. Um I love cutting it out. Like yeah. I really Why? do because I think because I I I love um as I said I love things all like hospital related and body related um I think I'm quite in tune with my body so I really notice how better my body functions when I don't have it like in every way yes I might have a headache for the first couple of days but that in itself is telling me yeah. the toxins that are coming out of my body and making me feel like I've been out drinking for a whole weekend yeah, like that's not right no. <laughs> you when you, when you talk about sugar when you talk about alcohol when you even talk about caffeine right? yeah. I think and I've, I've got a love-hate relationship with caffeine I mean um, I love it <laughs> yeah me too but if I, if I suddenly stop I'm not that pleasant to be around I get no, headaches. headaches I can be yeah, very yeah. moody yeah. I think, wow, is it good on one level to be that dependent on a substance whereby without it, I can't function? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's my own inner demons I'm working on at the moment with caffeine. Um, but what exactly were the benefits when you give up sugar? Um, my system worked better. I think I was less snappy. Um, probably myself more focused as well on um, or more rational maybe not not more focused but more rational in my day-to-day life like I would get less stressed about getting out the door on, in time for the school run do you know what I mean and Isn't because they haven't got their bag I'm like come on why have you got your bag get out the door get in the car I'm not going to tell you again you just it's just a bit more like calm okay right yeah totally much calmer much more, much more level-headed about things, um, and my physical functions just work better. Like yeah. my body is like, okay, this is, you know, this is a regular occurrence today. <laughs> but Whereas it, with sugar, I mean, I'm all over the place. It's incredible to think. And bloating. Bloating, really? Yeah. Bloating, yeah. So I guess so many things are coming into my head, but one of them is. I feel like I'm in your surgery. No, now. this is great. This is I'm really enjoying the chance. What's wrong with me? <laughs> but I kind of feel in so you do this in January as yeah. a way of resetting things and reminding yeah. yourself how, And of detoxing from December. Yeah. Because it's so indulgent. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? And and it's I mean, I'm not a big drinker. I'll probably drink twice a year tops. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So so for me. That is not, you know, like lots of people do dry January or yeah. lots of people are like, oh, my God, I've, I've got to just drink less. I don't really drink. So no. for me, it's treats. Are you on, on drinking? Why is it you think you drink less now than? Well, I don't know how much you used to drink in your 20s, having said that. But A do lot. you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the reason I'm asking this is because as part of my own journey and as a as a parent of two young kids, I'm just finding more and more I don't want to drink alcohol anymore, or very rarely. I don't have a, any problem with alcohol on a, yeah. on a ethical, on a moral perspective, so nothing like that. I've had my you know, fair share of uh, partying years. I know. <laughs> I, but, I've, but I've just... I've, 
I've, I've just got to that point where I've realised I've done it enough times, even even now, a glass of wine for me, I don't sleep very well. And yeah. then the next morning, I don't feel very good and I'm a yeah. bit snappier. Um, has it been a conscious decision for you to reduce alcohol? Not really. I don't really like alcohol. So whenever I, I mean, you know, when you're in your in your 20s or, or whatever age it is that you're kind of going out and enjoying yourself, um, I, only, I only really drank to get drunk. So I'm not somebody who goes, oh. Oh, I'd love a glass of red just yeah. to relax at night. That's it's just it's not, not you know. Fun. I I don't really like the taste of it. It was it was for me just everyone a around fun, you's doing it. I'm going out to have fun. You know, it's a social thing and a fun thing, and um, and that was it. So I don't really miss it in in any way, really. And also, Matt doesn't drink, so so it makes um, that's just our our lifestyle, really. Yeah. <clears throat> and as I said, a couple of times a year, maybe on my birthday or or someone else's birthday, then I'll go out and have a few drinks. But I, I kind of don't like, I don't like being out of control now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I kind of, and I don't like my day ruined the next, God, no, I, I sound like such an old woman. <laughs> I don't like my day being ruined the next yeah. day. I hate the kind of, I hate the fear that you get the next day and the, oh it's my like anxiety. God, was, was I an absolute like idiot to be around last night? And that whole kind of embarrassment of, God, was I talking rubbish? I just can't deal. Like, you know, life's too short to be worrying about things so insignificant as what what all the rubbish you've spouted when you've had a drink. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I just go, you know, I, if ever I do, I just go out with close friends. We have a really nice time. I'll only ever get to a certain point of, of tipsiness and that's me done. I can enjoy myself yeah. like that. I don't need to get hammered anymore. So it wasn't it wasn't really a conscious decision it's just progressively no, it's happened just more and more the way my life has ended up yeah i think that was that was probably one of the first times i started to reevaluate my relationship with with drinking in terms of you know yes i'd gone out and partied let's say with friends and stuff but you know if if you were meeting up with friends you'd often have a few beers that's yeah. kind of what you did <laughs> and i remember after my son was born uh four or five weeks into that i I met up with a friend at a local pub and went out and had a drink. And I think I only had half a pint or a pint. This is, you know, what, about seven years back, something like that. Mm. And I didn't sleep that well. And the next morning, I just didn't quite, you know, slightly fuzzy-headed. Bit groggy. Bit groggy. And I just wasn't... Actually, maybe it was a few months more than just a few weeks after. I just remember not being in a, in a clear state to engage with my son. Mm. And, it, and it really frustrated me. I actually thought, actually, that's not his fault. He's, yeah. He just wants to do what he's always wanted to do, yeah, because I'm not feeling it at the moment. I'm probably... Yeah. And I think that was a start for me to go, wait a minute, I'm not sure how this kind of fits in with where I'm going. Yeah. I don't think I realised it at the time, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty happy now, hardly drinking at all. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm close to not at all but I guess maybe that's that social conditioning that makes me stop saying oh I don't drink yeah I don't know what it is but yeah. I'm pretty close well, because actually. you do drink you just yeah don't want to exactly but yeah. is it social pressure without even realizing it that I don't know you know but I think about this I think about this quite a lot um <laughs> so okay you were saying so in January you sort of because you don't drink so much you don't go and do dry January but you're you know, you, you reduce your sugar intake sugar or free. cut it out completely. Refined sugars. Refined sugars. Yeah. So you're still having fruits and... Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're almost like my replacement. So that's interesting. <laughs> Just by cutting out refined sugars. Yeah. So you're having plenty of sweet things like sweet fruits and... Totally, yeah. But even just by doing that, because I think some people think I've got to cut everything out. No, I don't. I couldn't do that. No. You know, I, I think, and, and we need it. We, we need, need a it, certain but... amount of it, right? What, what... It, it, the, of the right type. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we just got to be careful. We don't go to these extremes and make things so, you know, set the bar so high that nobody ever is going to achieve it, and we're just going to feel like we failed the entire time. Exactly. It's about again being realistic, right? So I kind of go right for January. I am going to be sugar free, uh, refined sugar free, and that is what I do every year. We've done it for about four or five years. Um, but if if it you know, if all of a sudden it's Sunday night and the kids are in bed and Matt and I are watching a movie and I'm like, oh, God, I'd love a bit of chocolate right now, then I'll have some. Yeah. You know, but I just have to, in my brain, set it that 
for that month, I'm going to do something right for my body and get rid of all the rubbish I've been putting in it for the last so nine, you've, 11 you've, months. So you've done it for four or five years. <laughs> yeah. Um, does feeling those benefits within January make you change your behaviour beyond that? Yeah, because for me, we make the whole family do it January, but for me, I will do it throughout the year as well. So if I suddenly get to May, I might go, I'm going to I'm gonna knock sugar on the head again this so month. So it's a bit of a constant reset. When well, you... well, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like I need it. And to be honest, after January, I'm normally pretty good. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll have it every now and then. If I, Again, if I want it, then I'll have it. But so do you think I, I kind of get myself out of the mindset and out of the addiction of needing it all the time. And then probably by April, May... <laughs> After a really busy beginning of the year, all of us, you know, when you're on sets as well, there's just chocolate everywhere. It's like, yeah. do you, do you want a, do you want a snack? Do you want this? And you know, there's, if you're there's busy, a bowl of grapes or a massive bowl of chocolate, and you're like, I'm just, oh, I'm just gonna have a little bit of chocolate. Before you know it, you're back in it again, and you're eating it all the time, every day. Well, that's you know, well, that's so what... I reset probably two or three times a year. I would say that, it's interesting that because. It makes you think about our environment. And one of my top tips for people is always control the environment you can control. Yeah. I.e., once you step outside the front door these days, you know, anything goes. You know, you, you're having to exercise willpower everywhere. You want to mm. fill up your car with petrol. You've got to uh, walk past, as you're standing in line, you've got to walk past, you know, the chocolate bars, yeah. the crisps, the drinks. You want to buy a coffee. Uh, and you're standing in the queue at the coffee shop. You're looking at the pan of chocolates and the uh, and everything the, comes in lovely. Yeah, and, and even sugar. if you have used your willpower to say no, then the barista will then say, um, yeah. you know, Hi, well, would you like a pan of chocolate with that? So, I think one of the, one of my sort of top tips for people generally is control the environment you can control. I.e., if you don't want to have it, keep it out of the house. But obviously, when you're at work and you're on a TV set. It's there. You might be running between shoots. You might have been really, really busy. It's pretty hard to exercise willpower in those environments, I'm guessing. It is. And also because I think so. So I, I, I can like in January, um, we filmed Big Brother. So so um, they're like, what, what do you need in your room? And I'm like, I need nuts and I need fruit and I need some cheese and I need, wow. you know, like, that's it. How about um, chocolate? no. Just for uh, it's January. I don't eat chocolate biscuits. No, literally, I don't, <laughs> eat, I don't eat like refined sugar. Can you not not put anything? Don't put it near me. Um, uh, but but it's quite difficult because I you know I work with people. So yeah. so I've got my <clears throat> my hair and makeup people who I've worked with for years, and they're really good friends of mine. They're in my room with me as well. So I can't stop them no. <laughs> having it. I can't force them. So it is there. But, you know, in those situations, like you say, it comes down to willpower and you've got to have that that strong mind to get you through it. Yeah, change your environment, but you've got to change your own mindset as well. Has By telling your, your team in January that that's what you want in your room, you just want fruit, you want a bit of cheese, uh, you want some nuts, do you ever do that when it's not January, so let's say you, you're doing a different TV show and they say, what would you like in your room? Um, does ever does that behaviour ever transfer out of January? So Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah absolutely. If, and, and do you know what? I've got um, the guys that I work with, they're, they're brilliant and, and they are, you know, they're very similar as well. They're, well that's they're, good. They're kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a detox or yeah, I'll do... So you're inspiring others I'll around do you this. by doing no, it. I mean, they do it anyway, so... So if I'm like, oh, God, I'm really trying not to eat chocolate, they're like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. Let's all do it then because I don't want to eat it either. So it's, so it's it's not like I've kind of got a, a bunch of very right. kind of different-minded people around me. We're all... I'm just, I'm just going to highlight that point. For people listening to this, you know, some people may feel that, you know, I mean, you're a TV presenter, you're in a studio, you know, that's a different life to what I lead at home, let's say. <laughs> but I would argue that actually that kind of challenge where you're in your work environment and you'll be exposed to lots of other temptation, chocolates, crisps, sweets, because all it takes is somebody yeah. who wants to bring it in. Yeah. Some, you know, you can be in an office of 20 people and if one person wants to bring yeah. in the box of celebrations Absolutely. or the crisp bucket, that's where it they're, sits. They're there. It sits yeah. there, the lid's off, you walk past it every time you yeah. go to the loo or to the water machine and there's another little 
Yeah. So that's why it's a teaser ball in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the only time I get tempted really these days is when, uh, is when I can't control my environment. So I remember, um, I mean, NHS wards can be dreadful for this. You know, you mm. sort of, you're on nights and at the nurse's station, it's just full of biscuits and, and sweets and crisps and you're knackered, and you're just knackered. Like, that chocolate will keep me yeah away. exactly um but I, I remember this january it's the first time i've ever had a book out and i was doing all the promo i had no idea what promo for a, for a, for a book involves mm. and the irony of promoting a health book around the country is it sort of uh, certainly has a negative impact on your own health while you're trying to promote a health book mm. and i was tired i was i was sleeping in different hotel rooms and you know I was starting to make poorer choices uh, than I would have otherwise. And I would start to feel it if I was was more sluggish, I was tired. (laughs) And then when you are tired and sluggish, you crave more poor food choices to keep you going. And it's... um, And also comfort eating. Comfort eating, exactly. Or you're in a hotel room by yourself, you're not around with your family, you Mm. just... You know, it's you can see how people fall into those traps. It's like a constant battle. But I just want to draw, you know, draw really, really hammer home for the listener that... You know, the approach that you take in your dressing room, Emma, in January is a sort of approach that people listening can take in their own offices or in their own workplaces, which is, you know, if you're trying to make some healthy food choices, recognise that you can get sabotaged without realising it at work. And, you know, I, I call it keep that emergency food um, keep those snacks with you. So bring with you to work onto your desk, into your drawer, nuts fruit things so that when even if you are faced with temptation don't keep the cheese in the drawer oh really okay so that's a tip you need it in the fridge (laughs) a a smelly workplace but i think just being prepared is is a very helpful tip and you've you know as as a way of sticking to your january detox you 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 know you tell your team but i think i honestly feel that people can learn from that and go actually just make sure that you've got healthy foods around you so even if someone does bring in that temptation you've yeah. at least got another choice totally look i would much rather have a little mini snickers than i would a handful of cashew nuts but if i'm trying to you know uh, live a little better for however long then i go it's four weeks do you know what i mean yeah. i can live without it for four weeks it's it's not like I, I'm capable. I'm yeah. a, I'm, I'm a mum. I am raising children. <laughs> I can stick to four weeks with no chocolate. Sounds like you I talk yourself try, into it at the moment. I just try and, like justify it all in my head that way and balance it all out. Like yeah. I can achieve this. It is possible. My biggest problem, I think, is lack of sleep. Well, I was just going to come to that actually. Emma. I was going to come mm. to. Um, talking about well I, I talk a lot about four pillars of health four four areas of our health that actually we've got some degree of control over that have the most impact on the way that we feel both in the short term but also in the long term food is one of them we've yeah. covered that but the other three are movements which I think a lot of people think about and you know movement and exercise but the two ones that I consider to be most undervalued across society are sleep and relaxation, which is the whole stress piece. <laughs> if we, you know, I did see some photos this morning on these of you working out with yeah. weights. If we've got time, we'll come to that. But I'm really interested because this is something a lot of mothers um, who I talk to, both patients but also friends, really struggle with is, mm. you know, I'm trying to work, I'm trying to bring up children and I don't get enough time to sleep. I don't. I, I'm always on and I don't get a chance to relax enough. Yeah. Tell me about sleep and relaxation. Um, relaxation, I, I suppose I, I'm not very good at it. I'm not someone who, um, and my mum is the same, so I know that I've literally just got it from her, <laughs> like we're cut from the same cloth. So um, like I just don't sit down. If I have a day off, it's not really a day off because I won't, I won't enjoy it or sit down or just, you know, watch a movie. A a day off just means you work in a different way. You work at home and do all the things that you need to do at home. You do the washing, you do the cleaning, you do the cooking, you do the school run, you do the shopping. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it that That is a day's work in itself, You, you I said think. something really interesting. You said, if I have a day off, I don't enjoy it. Do you mean you don't enjoy those chores or those those roles or you don't... 
you don't consider it enjoyment as in you, you're not just switching off and doing something for complete pleasure. That's probably, yeah, I probably worded that differently. No, I enjoy doing all of that, right. you know, um, but it's not a, a I think, I think in my mind, when I think a day off, it means having nothing to do. Right. Therefore, relaxing, being stress free, enjoying something for yourself, Doesn't like matter. a massage. <laughs> That that doesn't happen. A day off is a day of work doing housework or or, or, or being a mum or a wife or, or doing that type of job. Do you know what I mean? Do, a, wish... a day off of my day job is 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 that. Which I love and I love being at home. Um but but it's still quite stressful because yeah. um you wanna get everything done and, and there's never enough time in a day to get everything done. Well, that, I well, find. Well, whatever. I think I don't think it's just you. I think I find that. I think everyone finds that yeah. these days. And this is part of the point of me talking about relaxation is that if we are waiting for our to do lists to be complete yeah. before we do something for ourselves, before we do something to relax, actually that ain't ever going to happen. No, exactly. It's never done. No. Which is why I'm a huge proponent of saying. But guys, even if it's 15 minutes a day or maybe, you know, two hours once a week, you almost, I feel these days, we almost have to schedule in Absolutely, yeah. our me time. Uh, but it sounds like you don't get the opportunity to do that. Not really. Um, and, you know, Matt has Matt has always said that. Like, I, um, I started going back to the gym after I had Trixie and I started to enjoy it because it was a bit of me time. Like, it, yeah. it's not... The, the me time I ever thought I would enjoy doing, <laughs> going to the gym. But it was just that time for me to engage with my own brain again and think about what I was doing for myself just for one hour, you know, maybe two can, or three times a week. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't justify doing that for me when there was so much to do for everybody else. I was always at the bottom of my list. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I just put myself last because I wanted to make sure I had done everything else or or everything else felt more important than going to the gym. Like it, it seemed... I, I hear this from... Do you know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. And I hear this. I've got to tell you, I hear this more from mothers than I do from any other sort of set of people I talk to. I, I really do. And again, yeah. I could just be... You know the people I see. You know, I'm not saying that's necessarily reflective across the whole well, population. Well, Matt was the one that said you have to make it happen because yeah. he makes it happen for him. So, yeah. and and if he doesn't fit in that bit of him time, he gets quite frustrated because you I know, think that's the male thing as well. I'm the same. If I in, if I'm in that way, if I'm at home for a week and I'm just around the family and I'm I'm not doing anything for me, I can start to feel this kind of. I won't call it annoyance. Just it starts to build up inside. Yeah, you know, even if it's for me, even if I can just go in the garden for twenty minutes and work out or something, it's just something that um, that gives me a bit of space. And and actually, the the way I try and tackle it now that I've got children who have always been early risers is I get up super early because I I need to have for me half an hour, ideally an hour. But my daughter has an incredible knack of knowing. When daddy when you're up. Yeah, I, I, I will get it. I will creep downstairs. I will literally be as quiet as possible. I go to a part of the house where actually it's nowhere near her bedroom. Yeah. But you know, before you know it, there's a little, you know, little footprints are coming in, and you know, I'm like, you know, oh darling, I'm just trying to do this. Like, oh, that I'll little help yoga you. Just... session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone. Goes, oh, you can do it. I'll just sit here with you while you do it. You know, and it's it is the best, and it you know it it warms. You know, it it totally makes my heart absolutely sing when it happens. Mm. Um. Would you, I guess, would you feel, let's say, if someone said to you, this is going to be really good for you in your health, right? Having a bit of me time. And let's say, you mentioned a massage. Let's say a one-hour massage once a week. Would that almost make you feel guilty because you'd think that was an overindulgence? It depends how busy my week is. If it's if it's not a busy week, then I'll go and do it. But if if I am working a week and um, if I'm working a week, then then no, because any spare time I have, I want to be at home with my kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I get that. And um, so I just I can't. But 
and and without sounding like, you know, oh, I need some me time because my kids drive me crazy. I, I don't mean it in this way at all. But um, at some point, you you how how you know when it's when I'm really busy, it's like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks pass, and you still haven't had just that half hour <laughs> to to just stop for a second and and reset your brain. So I suppose what what you're saying and what Matt says to me is right like you you have to you have to make it happen like he will get up early like you to to go to the gym and train or to or to meditate or to do yoga in the yeah. morning or or whatever it is but I can't get up at six o'clock in the no. morning because I might have been awake half the night with with Trixie so yeah. so I, I just I'm like sleep is so much more important to yeah. me because I, I don't get enough of it than than that half an hour of me time I, I need, I, well, I think... <laughs> I need that extra half hour of sleep but it's a constant juggle isn't it you know it, it's You've got a young child. I've got a young child working. as well. Yeah, I, I don't say you've got to, you know. And I, I got to a point before I had her when both of my kids were at school. So if I did have a day off, I had some time, some me time, and yeah. I love my kids and I love being around them. But it did, it did make me start to feel, uh, I suppose, normal and grown up and slightly sane again. Yeah, and and I think certainly my wife has just experienced that now that. You know, since September, both of my kids are at school. Yeah. And I think she has really noticed a, a huge change in her mental well-being. And, you know, I've got to be careful how that sounds. You know, genuinely speaking, you know, both of us love being around the kids. Totally. Uh, they are amazing. Um, and I, But I think certainly for my wife, she literally, she gave up everything to become a mother, mm. a very, a very good, successful career. And um, I, I genuinely feel that this has been huge for her, that both kids are at school. Just that little bit of time where you don't have to be thinking about them, I think that has been, it's been, it's been very, very important. I think, well, I think you kind of go, don't you, from, you know, um, no matter if you're, you're the nicest person in the world, before you have kids, you can live a very selfish life yeah. and do whatever you want when you want to. And then... In in the space of one day, everything changes, and you have to be the most selfless person because they have to come before anything. Yeah, agreed. You know, and 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 rightly so. And I almost so, cut you so some when, slack, Emma. When that changes, and they get a little bit older, and they get ready for school, and they go back, you're suddenly like, oh my god, I can do what I want for a couple of hours. <laughs> Even though. You know, which will say the sh- the school day is incredibly short. Once well, you know, yeah. you can still never fit everything. In. Yeah, but I think also when people, for people who are listening, when you have got young young kids, you got to cut yourself some slack. You know, your sleep does get disrupted. Yeah. You are tired. You don't you have, have time. To kind of resign yourself. That's to just the, the fact, way it is. Don't you? It's like you know what? For the next couple of years, it's going to suck. My yeah, sleep I- patterns are going to be bad. Exactly. But do you know what? They come in in the middle of the night and they're all like shuffling across the oh. floor and going, I've had a bad dream or I need the toilet or they just wake up and come in and I love it. And I'm yeah. like, yep, get into bed. Bring I don't on, care yeah. if you kick me all night because in a few years' time, they're not gonna... you won't even want to talk to me. <laughs> Probably. Well, I think it's a You'll great lesson on earth for people. Take the or, pressure off a bit. Yeah, totally. Take the pressure like, off. You know, just kind of, Go with it. Maybe that's not the best parenting advice in the world, but but there's no set rules, and every kid is different, and every parent is different, and we are all just trying to do the best we yeah. can. So, so just listen to your. I just always kind of trust my gut and listen to my kids, and just try and do the best I can. And when I'm losing my mind a little bit, I just have to step back and go. They're kids. Yeah. They. They don't know anything really other than what you're teaching them. Yeah, so agreed. just if you're going to shout at them, they're going to learn how to shout. And if you're going to be anxious and wound up and get stressed, they're going to learn about stress, anxiety and get wound up as well. So just <laughs> try. I mean, I think that is the best bit of parenting advice because... For a second. It's hard to do, trust me, because I... <laughs> I flip all the time. But afterwards, I try and learn from every time I lose my rag or get anxious or snap at them by going, like you said earlier, it's not their fault. They don't know. And they're going to learn that, aren't they? And, you know, kids learn, as I've I've learned over the last seven years, kids actually learn 
and do what they see you do, not what yeah. you tell them to do. Um, and actually, that's one of my big motivators for change in terms of my my, my own life is actually I want to I don't want to snap at them. I do sometimes, yeah. you know, I tr- and I feel guilty as anything afterwards. And as you said, we snap from our own. It's our own stuff. Stuff that we've got going it's on. Because right, I know there's six really emails because... sitting there that I need to get back to, and you know, but the kids don't. They're just yeah. like, oh, daddy's here after school. I want to play. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, what? I mean, this is. It's not meant to be a consultation. But Emma, one thing I'm going to say though, because I can't help myself, is this whole me time concept is. You know, it doesn't need to be an hour massage. No. It can be five minutes a day. Yeah. And. Even if it's just to sit down. Yeah, sit down, <laughs> have a cup of tea, Think. you know, in, in, in quiet. Or, you know, people talk about mindfulness, talk about meditation. But, you know, these can be quite scary terms for people. I, I'm i very much into talking about a daily practice of stillness. Yeah. Sometime in the day where you just have a bit of time to yourself with some sort of quiet. And when I say quiet, it can be listening to music, right? You could put on your favorite bit of music with your headphones on and i would argue as long as we're not scrolling uh, our emails and social media at the same time that can be a switch off that can be a meditation that can be Mm. a bit of mindfulness like picking two or three of your favorite tracks closing your eyes for 10 minutes and just listening yeah um or if you're in a car or a taxi on the way to work you know these some of these meditation apps my favorite at the moment is calm you, know, you can do five minutes of that. Mm. You know, it almost becomes a habit where, you know, when I'm on the train back and forth to London, I will try my best. I don't always do it, but I'll often just try and put on calm for 10 minutes. So I know on that, you know, almost nearly two hours train journey, which I do several times a week now, you know, 10 minutes of that was a bit of time for myself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I would kind of, in, you know, if possible... Uh, and again, you didn't come here for a consultation, but I would <laughs> I say, like it though. <laughs> I would say, just have a little think. You know, I hope that, and you can let me know how you get on. Um, but you know, maybe just think. You know, actually, I'm going to just give myself five minutes of time today yeah. because the five minutes is much more achievable than one hour. Totally, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. We've all got five minutes. Yeah. So, but so um, hey, no worries at all. Um, that's what it's like. Text messages, emails <laughs> coming through. We forget to put it on airplane modes. That's, that's real so life. Sorry. Uh, no, but that reminds me of another thing which we do at home. I don't know how you guys are with dinner times, but we, we've we got a screen-free rule at the dinner table, which, uh, without mentioning names, not everyone always sticks to, but I'm, that's something that I'm really, really strict on yeah. at home because I feel you've got to try and protect that time around the dinner table. Um and again, I appreciate it's not practical or not everyone feels it's practical for them. Yeah. Is that something in your house that it's an issue? Screens at dinner time, do you think? Yeah, I mean, screens at any time really are, um, are, I think, probably more of an issue, obviously, for me and Matt because our kids are young, so they don't really, you know, they have an iPad, but we limit how much they can use them. Yeah. Um, and we don't, we don't put... T- the TV or or any screens on when they're eating dinner. For for me, when I was when I talk about screens, I'm talking primarily about I know how distracted any of us are when yeah. you know there's some great 100%. research. If you, if you have a conversation and we both got our phones here, yeah. we're not as present with each other's no, conversation absolutely. Absolutely. as if there's a phone there. And that's something we were finding. Like the minute the kids went to bed and and the TV would be on, and Matt and I would finally have some time together, and and it was like we were like this. And I was very aware of it, so I'd 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 already said that um, I wasn't going to use my phone in the house before nine o'clock in the morning. So before the kids went to school, I, I wasn't even going to touch great it, tip. apart from to look at the time in the morning when I got out of bed. And I would leave it next to the bed, plugged in, until I'm back from school run, and then I get my phone and the workday starts, and then I can use it. And the rule is that. Uh, it's down again at six o'clock, and I don't touch it until they've gone to bed. I mean, I was, I was, I was but then gonna... I found I was touching it when <laughs> it was my time with Matt, and then I'm looking at Instagram or whatever, and I suddenly realised, and I looked at him, and I'm like, we're not talking, conversing, 
like filling each in on each other's day, even though we've probably done all of that anyway. But, but so many, um, so many you've couples got to just it's, when the kids are in bed. But you it, have it, to make it a rule because otherwise, you, and it's awful that you have to make it a rule. Yeah. But it's the society even, we live in. Even you say you don't look at your phone in the morning, apart from obviously to look at the the time. And actually, think about that for a minute. It's kind of like that's how much we're reliant that yeah. we have to look at that for a time. We, we can't look at a clock anymore. We can't look no. at something. It's it's crazy how much it's infiltrated our lives. And mm. you know, this is the subject for a, for a, for another conversation. But the I see that the impacts on relationships. Like I'm not talking about kids now, just adult relationships with these devices. I think it's quite profound because what's happening is that because we can personalize everything, we can have our mm. own emails, our own social media feed, our own shows on Netflix. We don't have to compromise anymore. We don't have to. Like, let's say 10 years ago, before all this stuff, you know, or before it became so widespread, you know, people would often, they'd watch telly in the evening and, and, uh, and they'd you'd have, have to compromise. Uh, you have to agree you'd on have what have to have conversation and, yeah. and agree and communally totally. share that experience yeah. and talk about it. Whereas now, you can either sort of watch the same thing but still be on your Twitter and everything whilst you're watching. Yeah. Or you can both, on your own devices, or you catch up on your thing, I'll catch up on my yeah. thing. And I think this is having... Yeah quite a profound uh, consequence for, for many of us but but now when when we we kind of like if we catch each other like work emails obviously come in at all yeah. times of of the day and night so um so that is allowed if you have to reply immediately for something that's allowed but if you just kind of online shopping or on social media i'm like and matt is a lover of online shopping so <laughs> uh, i'm like put that down and he does straight away, but he's the first one to say, you know, I literally, I'm, I'm, I am addicted. I can't. But I think like the first step stop. is just awareness, right? Yeah, exactly. For all of us as a society, I think we've got to recognise that technology has exploded in the last ten years. There are so many benefits of that technology, yeah. but I think we also also need to recognise actually we need a, we need probably some good practice rules across society. Is yeah. how do we use technology that it that it really helps us and nourishes us, and not in a way where it controls us. Yeah. Um, and I think. I think that's what we're going in the next few years. I think we're going to start getting these are good practices for technology. I certainly think it's very much needed. Let's hope so. And I always try to finish off with, um, and again, I appreciate, you know, you so far quite an unusual guest for me, but one that I've really enjoyed, you know, someone I've really enjoyed talking to because I think, you know, real life stories, real life issues and how, you know, what challenges they pose, I think it's very inspiring for people. I think everyone can learn something from the things that you shared with me today. Mm. Um, if it's a health expert on, I always ask them to leave the listener with some top health tips, for example. And I wonder, um, although I think you've just given a, a fantastic tip, are there any things that you would share with parents or anyone listening or even even mothers, you know, things that you've found helpful that you think might help them? And one comes to mind is the one you just said, which is you don't really use your phone till after 9am that is huge I think that is absolutely huge yeah I mean it, it's hard isn't it again because like you said we're all so everything is on there now everything is on our phones our whole life is on there and you know the minute you wake up your life begins right so so it's kind of hard not to but but um I mean I always find it weird, like kind of giving advice or tips for for things that work, because things that work for me may not work. So, what's worked for you? What for are the top things else? that work for you? Um, that obviously works. I do like the fact that I don't touch my phone until That's nine amazing. o'clock in the morning. Um, well, you've got these rules in the evening with Matt, haven't you, about social media and sort of technology? Yeah, I mean that's. I kind of feel like maybe lots of other people don't do that though. I'm, yeah. I maybe I'm just a little bit um, naive <laughs> in my thoughts of I think that's maybe just me and Matt doing that, things like that. But well, but, I think it's not wise, but it. maybe it is everywhere, and uh, I, I suppose it's got to be, hasn't it? Because I do think it's very addictive. You know, it it, it is. Um, it's very easy to kind of pull that screen down and watch that little thing that goes round yeah. waiting for it all to reload to see if something new is going to pop up on your timeline yeah. um well i'm going to take the pressure off you because you are such a lovely lady very modest i know you probably feel something uncomfortable about trying to give other people advice because that's just who you are and I, and I really respect that so 
I'm going to say for you that I think the things that you have, some of those things such as, you know, for people who do need their phones in the morning, I understand it may not be applicable for everyone. Yeah. But I think that's a great tip. And it's something that even if I look at my phone before nine, uh, I get up super early. So I do try and have about an hour, an hour and a half in the morning without the phone going on. Or if it's on, it's on airplane mm. mode. So I yeah. can use a meditation app without actually yeah. getting all the noise. If I'm at home and I'm walking the kids to school, I've started maybe about six months ago not taking my phone with me. I tell you, the school run is a different experience when you don't have your phone because you don't keep checking it for the time. Yep. You don't. I put a watch actually. I put a watch on. I thought if I need the time, the I just look don't at my watch. Play games on it. <laughs> yeah, and you don't. You don't get distracted. I remember yeah. once walking my daughter's school and a, and an important, you know, an important because they're all important. Aren't they? Email came in, and I started reading it, thinking about it, and my daughter was chatting to me, and I didn't hear a thing that she said because I was so engrossed in what had come up. So you know. I think that's a great tip, you know, try and limit your phone use in the morning. Yeah. And the other one I'd say that you've said is, you know, try and, try and, you know, if you're with your partner or with someone else, try and limit your phone use when, you, when you're with them. Um, I think one of your top things that you came out with today, I think, is, you know what, just take the pressure off yourself a little bit. I think yeah. that's. I think. I think also. I think a lot of mums feel that these days. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, you know, you mentioned kind of like social media and everybody kind of having a presence and an image and looking a certain way and I, I think we can get so wrapped up in watching what everybody else is doing that we're not kind of focusing on what we are doing or what we have and and the people around us so um I try not to focus myself on on everyone else or or worry about what other people are doing just, just be more kind present. of want to concentrate on myself and my life rather than looking on Instagram and going oh what are they doing why are they there what's yeah. going on what's what's she wearing oh what's he yeah. doing like oh that's a lovely picture that's nice right yeah. where are my kids <laughs> yeah well I think you know what for, I think for people hearing that from you is, in, is incredibly uh, insightful because I think everyone has FOMO of some level these days. Everyone's, totally. Doesn't matter who you are. I mean, I doesn't matter have it what in abundance. Yeah, and people probably but wouldn't think that you would. But you, 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 you know, you can't yeah. change it. Like, don't be jealous of other things. Yeah. Just be supportive of people. You know, the, the, yeah. there's a whole other kind of part of social media we could go into, and and that's the kind of mean side of it. And well, know, there is that. It, I think we all know that. Yeah, absolutely. But just you know support and embrace and enjoy things for other people and yeah. and and just crack on with yourself and well emma look i can't thank you enough for your time today i you really are so welcome really enjoyed that i'm pretty sure that well i'm very sure that many of my listeners are going to really enjoy that conversation and your so. insights <laughs> <laughs> and look maybe at some point in the future we'll revisit this and uh yeah absolutely you know we'll, we'll continue this so thank you very much emma thank you Ronan. That concludes the latest conversation on my Feel Better, Live More podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please do take a screenshot of this page on your phone right now and post it on social media. Please do tag me on Instagram, Instagram stories, Facebook and Twitter. And please do use the hashtag Feel Better, Live More. I want this podcast to help transform the health of as many people as possible. So if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, that also helps me spread this message further. I'm always open to more suggestions. So again, please let me know on social media if you've got any more suggestions on people you would like to see me interview on this podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join me next time.